At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry. Every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz presented by Bet Rivers. The final Pittsburgh CityCast for the week. Tim Benz, Mike Pursuta brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. If you can hear a lilt in my voice, if you can hear a pep in my step, a jump to my attitude, that is because I had one of those last night, Mike, where I think you would agree with me on this. The ones you get screwed on, you remember a lot more. They hang with you. They stick with you. And you always feel like the ones that you get screwed on outnumber the ones that you kind of got through the back door five to one, six to one, seven to one in my case. Oh, man, did I pull off one last night. I had the Braves. And the Yankees on a parlay. And the Yankees were down seven to three to the Twinkies and came storming back at Target Field. That's right. Garrett Cole gave up home runs to the first three guys he faced, and I won. And it closed out a parlay for me, and I couldn't be happier about it. I can't believe that happened. That's one I so didn't deserve. But in a way, I did, because how is Dylan Bundy going to beat Garrett Cole? And at the same time, I thought to myself, you know what? Even if Garrett Cole isn't going to pitch well, he's still Dylan Bundy, so I should still win this game. And eventually, that's how it turned out to be. You know, know, I'm happy for you, Tim, for a number of reasons. Uh, I neglected to mention that series was coming up when we talked last week. Uh, I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants a little bit in the Bahamas. But, you know, I'm a Twinkies fan. Sure. And the Twinkies never beat the Yankees. I mean, the record, I, I don't even have to look it up. It's horrifically bad. It was three-game series. I'm surprised Minnesota won the middle game. 
I'm stunned the Minnesota Twins won the middle game. I bet against the Minnesota Twins winning the middle game because Chris Archer was pitching. And, Mike, that was exactly his second win since he was a pirate. All right? So he had one win before that when he was a Tampa Bay Ray for the second time and a twin. And I didn't think that win two would come against the friggin' Yankees, but it did. It did. Uh, that was uh, uncharacteristic, but they'll play again down the road. And uh, that's a matchup, regular season, postseason. Hell, I'm going to look up and see if they ever play in spring training and start betting against the Twins in spring training games when they play the Yankees. Because that that's a, uh, a bad matchup, Tim, a, a historically bad matchup that has stood the test of time. Well, we do have a historically bad matchup looming, one that I always bet on. We talk about it every time it comes around, and that's Adam Wainwright pitching against the Pirates. But they moved his start. He's only going to start once now between the series that the Cardinals have and the Red Sox. I don't know if he just wants to pitch in Fenway one more time, or he's going up against Waka, his former teammate, who's now a Boston Red Sox pitcher. So maybe that's why they moved him. I don't know. But he's not pitching against the Pirates, and – I was planning to make my mortgage payment that way because we all know what Wainwright does to the Pirates every time. Yes, we cashed it in uh, last week. He even took care of me last Sunday. I got back from the Bahamas, and I was bored. And I had the TV on, and I saw the Cardinals were going to play the Cubs on Sunday Night Baseball, and Wainwright was pitching at Wrigley. And I thought, why the hell not? But uh, since you went there to Fenway Park, maybe you could answer this for me because you used to be uh, a Bostonian or or something of that ilk. Mm -hmm. Is it a Red Sox or a Red Sox? You said a Red Sox. Yes. Uh, you're not supposed to say Red Sox singular. You're not. You're, you're not. That's what I was told. Who I decided never... that? Sam Adams? Jerry <laughs> Remy? <laughs> <laughs> He's going again tonight, I believe. Is he not? Or Is tonight six? his start? Let me see. I'll dial that one up. But yeah, I mean, it was it was looming for the 15th, and I was all excited about it. And then they turn around and changes start. And I was very disappointed because that's one I usually count on. And with the way the Pirates are playing now, and boy, what a false dawn that 8-12 and 12 stretch was, Mike. Now they're back to who they were. And that Tigers little mini series reminded us all they are still very much the Pirates. And going with your school of thought, you bet streaks until they end. And I keep betting on the Braves and betting against the Pirates. I will do so again today. Um, you could only ride the Angels for so long, I guess, because they finally won with Shoei, hit a homer, pitched well. They beat the Red Sox, and that 14-game losing streak is over. How about that? Joe Madden, his last 12 games as a manager are going to be losses. Boy, that's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, I feel bad for the guy because I got so much respect for him, and he's so likable. Uh, <laughs> but uh, your Braves, by the way, in addition to beating the Pirates last night, they've won eight in a row. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So it's a pretty good uh you got a pretty good double dip thing going uh, i wasn't getting concerned about the pirates because i have them at under 65 and a half for the season but i was getting a little irritated uh i don't understand the dodger thing if, if the dodgers had done to the pirates what they should have done what they've been doing to everybody else they'd be buried by now and uh the red red arbach cigar would be out but uh, looks like it is uh still trending in the right direction by the way it's not Wayne it's not tonight. Wayne right tonight yeah he actually pitches on Saturday against Hunter Green that's going to be a tough matchup right there in fact that might be a good day to bet on the Reds if there's a lot of money going towards the Cardinals you might absolutely be to- I, I've talked about Hunter Green on a couple of these things uh, you know since May the 10th Tim he's given up two earned runs or fewer 
in four of his six starts. And having seen him pitch about three times, I don't think it's a fluke. This kid, uh, would they say in uh, Bull Durham, this kid has got some serious bleep, right? <laughs> uh, now, the Reds are only two and four in uh, those six starts that, that Green has been very effective in. But he's coming off uh, a seven-inning shutout of Arizona in his last time out. And, and yeah, the odds will probably be value there. Uh, Cardinals are good, but not great. The Reds are much better since they started three and 22. Uh, I'll, I'll be uh, back in green with some green. Luis Castillo and Andre Pallante is actually the Reds versus Cardinals matchup. Pallante 1-0 with a 1-2-3 ERA so far this season. As far as the Pirates game against the Braves, Contreras pitches today. Are you at the point, Mike, with him yet where you pause when it comes to betting against the Pirates because he's shown a little something since he's come up or, or what? Where do you, where do you no. kind of no, just bet against him anyway? No, no. They're going to they're gonna sting you once in a while, but uh, I, I still think their record is way more respectable now that it's going to end up. So um, play the percentages would be my advice. Yeah, and that's what I was telling people when they were – winning eight of 12 and they beat the diamondbacks. And like you said, they screwed the Dodgers and screwed me a couple of times playing against the Dodgers. Just look at what's ahead. Maybe they squeeze out two more against the tigers. They didn't, they lost both, but these two series against Atlanta and, and not a great Lewis. Detroit team. I mean, Scoobles a really a good crappy pitcher. Detroit team. But yeah. They don't score. They don't defend. They don't do a whole lot of stuff. They're awful well. on the road. They yeah. had the fewest road wins in all of baseball coming to PNC park and they won twice here. So uh, that's where it is baseball-wise. You know what else I finally got baseball-wise yesterday? And I had been struggling with this, and I was almost to the point where I didn't make the bet because it's blown up on me so often this year. Two good starting pitchers going against each other, taking the under. Like I, I don't know how many times this year I said, boy, that's a good pitching matchup. I'm going under on this one, and it's 6-3. to three. It's 7-4. to four. Um, Even the one, what did we talk about last week? It was... Uh, Joe Musgrove versus somebody. I don't yeah. remember. And they, it ended up being seven nothing in favor of the Padres, and the run line was six and a half. <laughs> you know what scares me off on those is uh, the extra inning thing and the bullpens. Yeah, but, but even the guy starts at, you know, could be two cheap runs in the 10th inning, and then somebody's got to score again to win the damn thing. And uh, those can get out of hand. I, I, I'm not there yet in terms of, you know, good pitcher versus under in baseball is a tough one for me. I, I prefer to bet on the one horse, uh, whoever that might be. Speaking of which. Yesterday, uh, by the way, it was McClanahan and Mikolas, and it finished two to one. So that one cashed in on me. But I played it small because I'd been burned so often on it. Yeah. And finally, it came through. My guy, Alec Manoa in Toronto. You've heard me talking about him for a couple of weeks as well. Blue Jays have been really hot. Uh, he pitched Tuesday night. And beat, uh, the Blue Jays beat Kansas City seven to nothing. Manoa went six shutout innings. He's seven and one with a one point eight one ERA. And Toronto is eight and three in his eleven starts. This is this is a guy to back. Yeah, my um, Blue Jays Angels thing. I rode that for as long as I could. They kept the two streaks going in opposite directions. We talked about last week. It finally gave out on me with the Blue Jays. Now finally, the Angels have ended their streak, but they're playing so badly. I don't know yeah, about getting. I bet they start losing again real soon. Uh, you know, uh, a couple other baseball notes. I, I think we're starting to get to the point where these pitching stats are becoming significant, at least to me. Like, the, you know, the better guys in the league are emerging. It's yeah. not just this guy's hot. It's this guy's really good. 
you know, Justin Verlander is seven and two. The Astros are eight and three in his 11. He's given up two or fewer earned runs eight times in 11 starts. And the Dodgers, who pretty much beat everybody but the Pirates, they've got both Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonsolin at seven and oh. And the team is eight and three when each of those guys gets the ball to start a game. But uh, Tim, all these uh, stories pale in comparison to what's going on in Philadelphia. I know we were texting and you said you were going against the angels, particularly against the Phillies because they just whacked Joe Girardi. And uh, you know, it's funny. Girardi won his last game, but since he got fired, the Phillies have won six straight. Yeah. Seven in a row overall. And they are at Arizona this weekend. Uh, Philadelphia all of a sudden is uh, a horse that uh, you need to start backing. And uh, the Yankees, 41 and 16 going into this weekend after that uh, big win over the Twinkies last night. They've only lost two straight, two times and three straight one time. I've talked a lot about the Mets, how they don't lose two in a row, which all of a sudden they've done that twice since we last spoke. But uh, wait till the Yankees lose one and then jump on them because it's a pretty good pro- law of probability, particularly at home. They're 23 and seven at home overall. Another one to watch tonight. One of my favorites when they ever come up on the calendar. And boy, they have been quite a bit this year. X Bucko versus X Bucko pitching matchup, Mike. It's Joe Musgrove against Chad Cool, who all of a sudden has become what the Pirates thought Chad Cool would be. His, his ERA is down to 317. He's pretty decent. It's the Rockies on the road, so you know they're probably not going to score all that much. Musgrove tonight, the run total. Over under is seven and a half. You want to do the good pitcher, good pitcher thing. Pays out at minus 115 to go under. If you think that cool can keep them close, the run line plus 105 for the Rockies is only minus 104. So if you can at least think the Rocks keep it close, I don't think about betting on the Rockies against the best pitcher in baseball, but I guess that's why the odds are where they are. Uh, that's one to consider. Yeah. I, once they start getting up that high, I usually look at those as, uh, Take two or three of those should be layups and then try to find that 50-50 game and run your parlay out. And uh, you can you can make some money that way. I also wanted to uh, remind you, you know, I've, I've been on that uh, doubleheader obsession. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, since we last talked last week, um, th- th- this was one of my favorite bets. It, it was a complete system play. The uh, Cardinals... Uh, this is Saturday night or Saturday day and Saturday night. Cardinals lose six to one at the Cubs. So, you know, I'm betting St. Louis, the second game. And then the Mets coming off a loss at the Dodgers and your final scores, uh, seven to four Cardinals and nine to four Mets, a two teamer. And I, I just punched it in. Didn't think about it for a second other than, you know, this is what the numbers tell me to do. I guess I'm warming up to analytics. Uh, if you hear me talking about exit velocity <laughs> and high danger scoring chances, please slap me. But uh, no, I, I I'll, wor- I'll worry about that when we get to yeah, high danger scoring chances. The one that usually zone time, Fenwick, yeah. Corsi. That's what I know with, that we've lost you for good. But I can see trends, and uh, you know the Mets. I mentioned to you a minute ago they've lost two in a row twice since our last podcast, but they're still fifteen and four after a loss. They're at your Angels tonight. Uh, Angels got that losing streak broken, so it's time to start another one. And the Mets at home, Tim, are 8-0 following a loss. 
Uh, one other one that I wanted to throw out there. Now, where did it go here? Um, while, you're, while you're looking for it, I'll tell yeah. you uh, another doubleheader, Texas and Cleveland on Tuesday. Uh, 6-3 Cleveland in the first game. So who do we bet the second game, Tim? Texas. Texas wins 6-3. That, I wish I had the numbers for the entire season, and I'm too lazy to go back and look them all up. But I'm telling you, that is money. The, the losing team invariably wins the second game. Oh, I know what I was looking for. I was just looking for the run total today. Braves and Pirates, as the Pirates just have not been scoring, and the Braves, they don't need to score to win, but they have been, and Contreras is starting. It's it's high. It's eight and a half. So if you want to sneak in at the under in the Pirates-Braves game, it's minus 108. That might make the most sense on that one or do an in-game parlay if you want Braves and the under. That's always a tough one. It's a tough one to feel through for nine innings for the three hours, but it could pay off nicely in the end. All right, Mike, let's get to hockey. And I know that you are invested one time, two times, three times on the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I bet you were sweating out that result last night. I was sweating harder when it was 2 nothing Rangers going down to Florida for game three. But, yeah, I got on Tampa at minus 185 to start the series. They lost game one, the Lightning did. So I got them at plus 105. They lost game two. But much like Bill Cower, I was not deterred. So I got him at plus 210 after game two. So I'm all over this one. And uh, it, it, a little tense in the third period. I thought New York actually played a lot better than it had in the games in Florida. And if the Rangers had a little more finish, well, they, they were getting the puck where it needed to be, but they couldn't complete the pass or catch the pass or get the shot on goal. And they just had three or four great chances that they didn't finish. And then Tampa does what it does, scoring with uh, fewer than two minutes left in regulation to win a game. Third time that's happened for the Lightning this postseason. Uh, only New Jersey in 1995 uh, also did that three times winning with less than two minutes to play in the third period. And that, that Devils team won the cup. I don't think this Lightning team is going to win the cup. I think it's Colorado's cup to win. But boy, I'm going to have to really talk myself out of betting the Lightning because I have fallen in love with this team again. This has happened for three postseasons in a row now these guys are so much fun to watch Victor Hedman and Vasilevsky and Maroon and Kucherov and Stam. just see Stamkos going all over yep. Lafreniere like yep. okay not only do we have a 3-2 series lead hey kids you're out of your depth go home boom 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 <laughs> no I'm not a big fan of that stuff but I, th- I think that was quite a message sent by the veteran lightning uh okay punks you're done I'm just looking, Mike, uh, for the Lightning here in the Rangers series, three to one. So four goals, five goals, five goals, uh, eight goals to start the series. But before that, two goals, uh, six goals in the win over the Panthers, five to one, two, one over the Panthers, four, one over the Panthers, two, one over the Leafs in game seven. They are under all the time. I talked about this a little bit on the podcast yesterday for all their firepower. They're winning it with defense. They're winning it with goaltending. Under with the Lightning has been a money bet the entire playoffs. Yeah, and you throw in that they don't have Braden Point still, who's yep. one of their best offensive players. It, it seems like the power plays as we get closer to actually awarding the Stanley Cup, or, there aren't as many power play chances. Uh, the referees must have gotten a memo, stop calling so many penalties. And Vasilevsky, you know, that was his 60th playoff win of his career last night. And if I'm remembering correctly, 47 of those 60, two goals allowed or fewer. Wow. 31 of those 60, one goal allowed or fewer. 
And, and this is something that I know we talked about this on the DVE morning show a lot, starting back in February when I started looking ahead to the postseason. You know, the Penguins' record when they gave up two goals or fewer was outstanding this season. I imagine everybody's record when they give up two goals or fewer is outstanding. But unlike the Penguins, the Lightning get it that when it's winning time, you got to defend first, and they know how to do that. And that was that was what I mean. It's two good goalies, right? Starkin and Vasilevsky are both outstanding. But that was a, a low event game, as uh, our guy Mike Sullivan might say last night. There were limited chances. There was limited room. You got to outlast them. You got to be diligent. You got to be consistent. You got to be persistent. You got to defend. And Tampa knows how to do that. Before we do more hockey, and I want to do that on the other side of the break, you know, it's NBA finals time. If Mike Pursuta is dabbling in the NBA and you're dabbling, are you not? I have dabbled. I took uh, Golden State twice. Kind just got back in on better odds for Golden State or what? After the first game or what? Minus 160 before this thing started, uh, plus 140 after the first game. I took the Celtics. I took the Celtics in six, and I've kind of done this thing where I followed my own bet where, you know, I bet the Celtics in the first game because I said if they're going to win in six, they're probably going to have to sneak out the first one. They did. I said there's no way they take two in Golden State, so I took Golden State in game two. That worked out. And I went back to it. I said, look, if they're going to win in six, they're going to win the first game in Boston. Sure enough, they did. The way I mapped it out was Celtics win the first one, win the third one. At this point, I think it's going the way I want it to go, and the crowd seems to be in their head. Steph's banged up. I thought the Celtics were going to have to take the first two. Golden State wins the fifth one, then they come back to Boston and close it out. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going with Boston again tonight. Yeah, the Curry thing is concerning. I, I, I threw down on Golden State specifically to back Draymond Green, and uh, that's not working out so well. This is why I love how Boston was saying that he had a quadruple single the other day. Yeah, this is why you bet with your head and not your heart. <laughs> well, but, I mean, a bet with your head isn't always bad when you're betting on the Golden State Warriors. I mean, they are Tampa Bay. They're basically the same team, just on the hardwood instead of the ice. Yeah, I just don't watch the NBA, and I, you know, I, I couldn't possibly break down a matchup. Um, you know, I, if Curry's right, I still think I got a shot in this one. But uh, oh, I think you do too. But we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that this was an indulgence. This was, uh, you know, sometimes you're drinking and and you're drunk and you're having a really good time, and you should just stop drinking, right? Because because you're already having a really good time, but you don't. You keep drinking, you keep drinking, and you just feel worse the next morning. Then you have a hangover. Yes, yeah. so this is your NBA final. This is your gambling NBA finals. This hangover. is going to be my hangover if it doesn't work out. But I still love you, Draymond. Flex for me, baby. We'll get used to it, Mike, because we're going back to Latrobe and we're going to be at Sharky's. So there's going to be a couple of those kind of nights. Yeah, you got to you got to be a pretty good player if you get an entire arena chanting "fu." <laughs> well, in Boston, it's not so hard. Okay, yeah, good point. <laughs> it is Boston. <laughs> yeah, they can turn on just about anybody doing that. All right, we come back since I mentioned a training camp. We'll talk about mini camp with the Steelers. Uh, some minor odds shifting in the AFC North. What with the Cleveland situation, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> observations that Mike and I had from mini camp. I want to get to some Penguin trade talk too because I want to see if Mike's on the same page with me. I wrote about this a bunch in the Trib today, so get Mike's opinions there. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, see if anything else comes up gambling wise between now and the end of the podcast. Plenty of time left. This is the Pittsburgh City Cast, brought to you by Bet Rivers.
BetRiver Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's continue with the hockey talk. We sort of wrapped up there with the NBA Finals and the Conference Finals. By the way, why is it Stanley Cup Final and NBA Finals? I don't know. Did I just do that? No, I just, I've been, you know, beating that horse to death on the morning show. And it's a final series. Okay. The NBA is doing it wrong. It's not the finals. It's the final. It's the quarterfinals because there are four of them, right? Yes. It's the semifinals because there's two of them. It's the final because there's one series. When I write it or I say it, I don't even think about what's coming out of my mouth anymore. If somebody wants to correct me, they can. And that's fine. I don't care. It is dumb that it's different. Yes, absolutely. And your premise is sound. There are multiple quarterfinals. It kind of bothers me, too, that the sport that has a lot of Canadians in it is actually getting it right. (laughs) The Penguins have a long way to go before they get beyond the quarterfinals. They've proven that four years in a row. Uh, they can't get beyond the conference semifinals. They proved that going back to 2018 for sure. Uh, Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff, Mike, came up with a bunch of different trade options, uh, not just for the Penguins. Like he, he listed 25 top trade targets in the National Hockey League. And a bunch of them, to me, are intriguing for the Penguins. But one thing he brought up, the only real Penguin specifically that he brought up to be traded was John Marino, the defenseman. And the premise was they'd rather trade Pedersen, but nobody wants Pedersen, so they might be able to move Marino and clear some cap room so they could keep Malkin and Latang. And I read that, and I thought to myself, all right, well, you know, I could see them moving a guy on the blue line, one of those two, maybe even Dumoulin, to free up some cap space, but why does it have to be to keep Malkin and Latang? Why can't they move one of those guys to create even more cap space and rebuild the team for the last couple of years at Crosby and for the years into the future. Like, I'm not looking at this from the lens of apparently everybody in the hockey media, which is what do the Penguins do to keep it together? I'm looking at it, Mike, through the lens of what do the Penguins do to change what's happened the last four years? Am I nuts on this? Tim, we're looking at it the same way. I, I don't know why you'd want Malkin and Latang back. At, at a greater price, likely, for... Latang, I'm probably a lesser price for Malkin, but not a small price, just a lesser price. I don't know why you'd want either guy back. And to me, they're actually not in a bad spot if they want to finally go ahead and turn the page. Yes, Uh, they are now where the Steelers were going into last year with Ben. It makes all the sense in the world to do it now. Reconfigure your team, rebuild your team. You've got the first line in place now. Sidney Crosby, Jake Ansel, Brian Rust since they brought Russ back, which should have been priority number one going into this offseason, and it's the first thing they did. Now they got to get some defensemen, Tim, that actually play defense. I don't want to get rid of Pedersen and Marino to make room for Malkin and Latang. I want to get rid of Pedersen and Marino because they're Pedersen and Marino, and I'd rather have somebody that can play some net front defense. I forget which game it was. Uh, game three or four it was down in Tampa, but uh, if you watch the Lightning, Ryan McDonough, I think it was Heedle posted up on the edge of the crease and he just cross-checked him into the net 
and knocked the net off its moorings. And the referee saw this because the net came off its moorings. So they had to blow the thing dead. And they just said, oh, the net came off. Like in the playoffs, it's, it's, it's hack and slash. It's kill or be killed. It's whatever you can get away with. You can't just stand there next to the guy or get or try to get between him and the shooter. You know, they do this fronting thing a lot, which to me only sets a double screen. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, a fan of that. And remember all those stats about Vasilevsky before the break? You know, you got to defend. They have figure skaters. They have Olympic speed skaters. They have guys who can jump up into the rush and join the play and make the first pass. F that. Get somebody physical that can take care of your house. So here's a perfect example of what I'm talking about when it comes to, because you're not just this whole concept of one more run with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. It's not you, happening. If you sign Latang, it's not one more run. It's probably three more years. And it's probably three more years and somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to $10 million. Because like, here's how Saravalli kind of broke it down, right? He had, and Marino is the 12th guy. Like he ranked his best options for people to go get in a trade. And Marino was 12th. 11th was Jeff Petrie, Michigan State's own, the Canadians defenseman. And the premise that he put out there as to why they would want to trade him Son of Dan Petrie, former Tigers World Series winner. $6.4 million for three more years. He's 34, and he's coming off a down season. So the Penguins then are looking at Latang because the, the, the thinking that he had in a little subtext was if the Pens don't get Latang back, Petrie might be a guy that they target. So you want to take somebody else's bad contract <laughs> onto your team to make up for the fact you can't pay for another huge contract that somebody else is going to give Latang, Like, that's – I don't want Latang light if I'm going to get rid of Latang, And he's not even Latang light anymore. He's Two years ago, I would have thought about that. I thought he was great against the Penguins when they lost to the Canadians in the bubble. You remember that? I thought he was really good in that series. I, I wouldn't want him either uh, just because of the age thing, and uh, he's not a grinder. Uh, you know, ideally, you have one offensive defenseman and one defensive defenseman on each pair, right? That would yeah. be a perfect world. It's not a perfect world. I think Mike Matheson is a hell of a player. I think he can be the little tang type guy, uh, you know, the the offensive defenseman, the, the quarterback of the power play, the guy who can skate it out of your end if, if it, you know, worse comes to worse and it has to come to that. But they, they got to get some some toughness. Uh, they got to get some guys that can defend. I'm, I'm beating this horse. It, it died you know, three years ago in the Islander series, but uh, they've got to acknowledge that, you know, uh, one of Brian Burke's favorite lines has always been, you can't bring a knife to a gunfight. They, they bring a, a Cub Scout knife. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work in the playoffs. It hasn't worked for four straight years. It's not going to work next year. Ron Hextall can talk all he wants about, we need to have discussions on a league level about headshots. I'm sure they'll spend all summer talking about it and then they'll do nothing about it. And then the playoffs next year will look the way the playoffs are looking this year. If you don't like what Jacob Truba is doing to Sidney Crosby, then get yourself a Jacob Truba and do it to Minka Zabinijad. <laughs> or Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, yeah, it's Minka Zabinijad, Minka Fitzpatrick. Got to get some guys who can grind. And, and God bless the Penguins, Tim. They tried to do the cycle thing in the offensive end. Sometimes they were able to pull it off. They have tried to play net defense. Sometimes in a regular season, they pulled it off, but they're not capable of doing either often enough for sustainable success in the postseason. They've got to adopt a defense first mentality 
They've got to ride that top line. They've got to get their power play to stop going 35% or 5% on these roller coaster runs that would make Kennywood proud and try to get that a little more consistent and start beating people three to two the way the Lightning do. I know this $16.7 million is what it cost Malkin and Latang last year. And Malkin's probably going to make a little bit less on his next contract. Latang's probably going to make a little bit more. JT Miller is five point something million dollars, one more year than you can give him an extension. Um, Josh Anderson from Montreal, you know, the big power forward that used to play for Columbus, he's 28. He's at 5.5 million or something like that. You get those two guys, you still got another five million dollars to play with. What do you think Johnny Hockey costs? Johnny Hockey's gonna cost a lot. <laughs> Johnny Hockey's gonna cost a great deal. Uh, I'm not, and I think he probably winds up. Do you think he winds up back in Calgary or not? Don't know. What about to bring it? I do know he has uh, had success at uh, PPG Paints Arena previously. Yes, we do know that. Yeah, we saw that in person in Boston College. How uh, about another guy with uh, kind of a college connection that we know, Debrinkit? That's who Sarah Valley had as his number one trade target from Chicago. Yeah, good player. But again, um, it's more all-star uh, aspirations, right? It's more hockey card collecting. Uh, get some toughness, get some grit, get some grinders. I, I, I think you got enough of the rest. And also goaltending, as, as the incessant whining continues from Penguin Nation about, uh, you know, Casey DeSmith and or... Um, Tristan Jari? No, not Jari, uh, Louis Domingue. Oh, oh, how they play. Uh, yeah, yeah. Our, our buddy Mark Madden's done a great job of pointing this out. Tristan Jari is now on each side of the excuse-making. Oh, yeah. He, they would have beat the Islanders if Tristan Jari wasn't playing goal. And now this year they would have beat the Rangers if Tristan Jari was playing goal, which, oh, by the way, he played in game seven and they didn't beat the Rangers, even though they had to lead with less than five minutes or six minutes remaining in regulation, whatever it was. Um, if they think Jari's their guy, and I'd be willing to acknowledge that that's uh, a reasonable assumption, you got to get a better backup, right? Well, Gibson um, was a guy that was floated out there by Sarah Volley, but I don't think you trade for a $6.4 million goalie to be a backup to Jari. I don't think they're going to yeah. do that. Unless they trade Jari and then they clear the way for that Blomquist guy that they've got in the system. I said, even with uh, if Malkin and Latang leave, I think they still have enough splash. They need more smash. And it's not that I'm necessarily a fan of that kind of hockey. In fact, I actually admire the Penguins' philosophical approach and play over and be faster than it and hurt them on the power play and, you know, win the game, uh, play the right way. It, it, they're wonderful concepts. They don't work in reality. They are uh, the knife in the, it, that is the NHL playoffs gunfight. And you got to start doing it the way everybody else is doing it because you're no longer elite speed and skill to beat it that way. So uh, you got to roll up your sleeves and get down and dirty and uh, slug it out. And uh, they're not prepared to do that. They weren't prepared to do that at the end of last postseason and the one before and on and on. When, when does it, when does it end Tim? Yeah. Uh, Is it going to be three more years of this until Crosby's contract runs out? Well, I was just going to say, you know, the devils say that they want to trade the second round pick potentially. So go out and get Logan Cooley. And we can just do it with a different generation. <laughs> trade up to the number three pick and you can number two pick and you can get him. At least you get younger. Uh, Mike, before we go, let's talk some football. Your impressions as we walk away from minicamp, specifically with how the quarterbacks were handled. Uh, what does that say to you about the thinking? No, there's no question it's Trubisky's job to lose, right? Uh, I'm not saying it can't be lost, but uh, he's the guy. 
I got a kick out of Matt Canada saying, well, Mike Tomlin's been pretty clear that it's Mitch and then Mason and then Kenny Pickett. No, he hasn't. Well, not to us. No, it, well, Ke- Kevin Dotson had to say it. Mason Cole had to say it. But remember that first day at OTAs when we were talking to Dotson, he goes, well, it's pretty much been said. And I said, what do you mean it's been said? He goes, well, the team's pretty much said that. Maybe he was telling us Mike Tomlin announced this to everybody for all yeah. we know that this is. A, so that maybe was what uh, Canada was referring to when he said it's been made clear. Uh, Trubisky can lose the job. I don't think he's going to. He looks great to me. Uh, one of the quotes uh, that resonated with me over the last three days was from, I think it was Wednesday. We were talking to George Pickens. He caught a deep ball in practice and he said words to the effect that uh, the other quarterbacks are uh, going along to get along and Trubisky's launching it down the field. And I took that, I interpreted that as the other quarterbacks are playing systemically, um, you know, okay, I'm supposed to throw an eight yard curl here. So I'm throwing an eight yard curl and Trubisky is looking for reasons to, to take shots down the field. I think he's confident. I think his game is there. Uh, his mobility looks great. Uh, he seems to have assimilated to the team quickly. He's a leader type guy. And Pickett has also impressed everybody. And I think all the stuff that I've heard from Art Rooney on down about his humility and his um, just what a real genuine guy he is and how charismatic he is because of that. I see a lot of that. My hope would be that Pickett emerges number two because I want to see him get as many practice reps as possible. I want to see him be in one snap away so that his preparation is influenced by that. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, but I think, I think you're going to see Trubisky under center in Cincinnati. Yeah. And I think we got to start changing the narrative of how we talk about the quarterback situation as it relates to why they took Pickett then, because so much of it, Mike was, well, Pickett's 24. He has 49 starts under his belt. He's the most experienced quarterback of that bunch. Um, he can step right in and start right away. Okay, but he's not going to, it looks like. So they must, this is all about talent evaluation. You know, no, this is no longer about, well, they can play picket right away, but they had to wait a year on Malik Willis and that was part of the decision-making. I guess it wasn't. They must just think that picket is better, period. Well, I mean, right now, why wouldn't you? Well, I, know, I mean, you're, you're a big Malik Willis fan. So, I mean, you, you tell me, is that the right move to oh. have made then? For right now, yeah. Um, you, you know, if you're projecting, you're projecting. Um, I, I, I think either way, you're better off with Trubisky. And I thought there was less of a um, urgency to, to select Willis. Now, uh, if they didn't get Trubisky or a reasonable facsimile, then, then Willis absolutely would have been my guy. Pickett clearly would have been their guy. Um, I, I just think with the way the schedule's compressed early on three, three games in 12 days. I think start. that plays an amazing amount of weight into the whole decision. You need a guy that knows what he's doing, right? I mean, you just do. Um, I don't think they'll ever admit that, but I think that's weighing into their logic. You know, I can't remember who the home opener is, but two of those are division games for crying well, out loud. Well, Bill Belichick. You're only going right. up against Bill okay. Belichick in the middle, and then you got Brady and the Bills on the back end of the opening six. The only break in there is against the Jets, potentially. Yeah, so it, it's um, – Trubisky will, will take them as far as he can, and then they'll when, when they're not winning games, he'll pay the price for that, no matter whose fault it is, and uh, that's when you'll see Pickett. But uh, – I liked what I saw from both of those guys. Uh, I really, you know, the the physicality of Pickens is 
striking. Um, the physicality of Najee Harris is striking. Well, I think that was overblown uh, just because the media was actually on the field this year. I mean, he, he came out pretty sculpted and cut and, uh, you know, a, a specimen uh, body type for a running back. But, uh, you know, maybe some people that were watching up on the, the ledge, uh, the, the second story balcony uh, last year or from the press box didn't notice it as much as when they were down on the field this year. And uh, you saw how big his legs are. But I can remember when he was coming out of Alabama, part of Daniel Jeremiah's uh, observations and, and pre-draft scouting report was, and I quote, the lower half, oh my goodness. I mean, <laughs> I mean this, yeah. this kid didn't, you know, reinvent his body or anything like that. Uh, but they, they got a lot of young talent on offense. I think Fryermuth is going to be really, really good. Uh, I think Harris is going to be really, really good. You know, we talk about that second-year bump that Mike Tomlin always references. Uh, you know, who's going to make their biggest improvement as a pro between year one and year two, as Tomlin believes you need to. Uh, and, you know, there's Jordan Norwood, there's Dan Moore, there's Isaiah Loudermilk. What if Harris and Fryermuth take a huge jump? Because they both had yeah. really good years last year under some really tough circumstances. Steelers to make the playoffs right now, it's paying out at plus 305 if they make it. You got to spend 400 for them to not. How do you value, feel about that? The value's in the former. Yeah. I, um, I, don't, I don't think it's a lock. I could see this thing going a couple of ways. But if it all clicks together and they get a break or two here and there, you know, Tomlin's never had a losing season. And with the extra team, you know, a winning record's probably going to get you in, right? To that end, over seven and a half. That's where the number is right now in the Steelers. Over seven and a half, minus 121. Under is paying out at plus 100. Uh, I, that's you, you can just tell by how they put the money. I, I think people are thinking right around eight. Uh, so the over-under is down at seven and a half. Minus 121 isn't too much money for me to bet on them winning eight games. Let me put it to you that way. Plus, you can still... If you want to play the over, you can still get your dream season of eight, eight, and one. I can, yes, absolutely. By the way, the Browns with the whole Deshaun Watson situation, still, Mike, plus two fifty for the Browns to win the division. I can't believe it hasn't sunk more than that. Well, you know, I would uh, hold off on that right now because uh, one of our colleagues will remain nameless because I don't know if he wants this public, but he had a real interesting conspiracy theory, which I'm sure you will appreciate. You know how the Browns backloaded the contract and yes. uh, Watson's only making a million dollars this year. It, it, the idea was floated to me. What if the NFL in an effort to really stick it to Deshaun Watson decides, well, we're going to let all this court stuff play out in these civil suits or these civil suit. What is it? A class action civil suit. Is that the, yes, let's let that play out and he can play in the meantime and then slam him next year when he starts making real money and it really costs him. <laughs> that's, that's, you know what? That's not a bad idea because you're not docking much on a million bucks. No, it, yeah. It's not going to be a deterrent. <laughs> to see that much come out of his paycheck when he really needs the money. That's not a bad yeah. theory. I like that theory. I mean, I mean you're, you're the arbiter of these things. I mean, does that, does that get your attention a little bit? That gives bit? me a thumb up, thumbs up. I do like that one. <laughs> All right, Mike, great job. We'll do it again next week. Good luck with the lightning. Let's go, Bolts. Let's go, Bolts. Let's go, Bolts.